you were telling me your kids were uh, hitting on you because you have an Android instead of an iPhone. Yeah, a lot of my students, they'll be they'll, a lot of the different classes I, I sub for, the students will be like, Mr. O, like, why do you have, why don't you have an iPhone? You have like an Android or whatever. And I'm like, honestly, I'm just so used to the Android like platform and the ecosystem of the Android. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I'm not really a fan of iPhones. I feel like they're very restrictive in terms of what you can do. In what way? Like the type of programs you can run? Or... Yeah, because I think of like the different, like, for example, I use a lot of like emulation and like emulators and like ROMs and like other stuff uh, on my phone. Like I like widgets and like little things, like um, I'm trying to remember, like APK files and stuff. Mm-hmm. And iPhone is such a closed ecosystem. It's like very like a closed loop. And like you can't really do that kind of stuff unless you like you really like jailbreak it or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not really a fan of like. I'm not a big Apple product person. I don't like Macs. I don't like... I'm not really an Apple person at all, so... Yeah, I recall when I first got my my first few iPhones, I had to jailbreak all them shits. I put a... What was it? A Cydia or Sidonia, whatever the hell those those uh, programs were. And I'm looking at apps that I couldn't get otherwise. Oh, like the, uh, like the black market kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I did that. I tried to unlock them. I, I jailbroke two of them. Um... But after that, I, I just got tired of of being in that ecosystem. Like, it's cool. It was like, it felt very seamless. You know, you could get, connect all your other devices. Mm-hmm. But after a while, like, Android started competing, like, so heavy, you know? Yeah. And, and the thing is, Android also comes with a lot of features that iPhone gets, like, way later. You know? mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, I've heard about that. So there's that part. And then there's the var- variety of things that you could get on android like you could you could go to sony you could go to samsung etc um iphone does make a great product but i just i just really prefer android you know what i've noticed this is the shed talking portion i've noticed (laughs) i've noticed when an iphone user talks shit about an android user the android user is gonna be like hey let me tell you about this iPhone. Let me tell you why this shit is badass and why it's the best, right? Mm-hmm. When an Android user goes to an iPhone user and they talk shit, the iPhone user just starts crying. They just start complaining. They start like, why the fuck do you got to compare them? Like, this isn't like a competition. This isn't that and that. I mean, I feel like the Android users are way more techie. No? I think so, too. I mean... I think that those are the kind of people who they know exactly what they want out of it or to, like, kind of tinker with it. Uh-huh. Uh, I do think iPhone's much more utilitarian where it's, for the average person, it's much more... Uh, plug and play? Yeah, there's not much fuss to it. Yeah, like you said, plug and play. I think the thing they have with, like, the Macs and, like, the iTunes store and the Apple store, like, it's very, like... They're, they're, you're, it's like the comp- compatibility, like they talk to each other, the devices talk to each yeah, other. Yeah, it's great at that, yeah. It's really good at that. But if you're not like someone like that, who's, unless you have everything Apple, like it, I just don't think it's worth it. Like I understand the prestige of the Apple name, but like I'm not, I'm, I just I, I just don't care. That's just not. I feel like an Android user is a person you see walking down the street and they have a bunch of different brands. Like they got a Nike hat and Adidas shoes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Whatever works, right? Uh, whatever works, whatever looks dope. Yeah, I can see that. Did you, did you real quick, because you, you're talking about the brands real quick. Did you see the, fo- the photo, not the Photoshop, the AI photo of the, the Pope with that big 
like puffy jacket. Oh, the jacket? I don't know if that was real, was it? No, it wasn't real. Okay, because they yeah. really spread. But I was like, man, I kind of wish that was real. It looks actually kind of cool. Yeah. It's like a big, like, layered, layered, like, poofy, like, puffy, like, white. Those, like, the white vinyl kind of, like, plasticky jackets. Yeah, yeah. Like, it looked, it looked really good on him. I'm like, oh, it's not real. Well, speaking of AI and all that stuff, algorithms, how do you deal with, like, social media? Is that, like, a fucking problem for you? We were just talk. We were just talking about something right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go into the details of what it was, but like as as you and I were talking about it, like something re- a relevant article popped up on my phone that wouldn't normally pop up. That's for something me. a little different. That happens way too often. Where we open the phone, we were having a discussion before, and we open a phone, and it's an ad on something that we wouldn't have spoken that we wouldn't have got before if it Otherwise, wasn't for that conversation. Yeah. I don't like that, but you're, you're talking about social media, right? Like, uh, yeah. I don't know. Social media kind of, I don't know if it's sad or not, but it's like the first thing I look at when I get up in the morning. It's a, it's a love, hate relationship. I me. roll out it's... of the bed and I just look at all my notifications before I click on anything. I look at the drop down notifications mm-hmm. and like, where do I want to start first? Like if it's a text, like if I have a text message from somebody, that's the first thing I'm going to look at. Cause that's like a more immediate kind of priority thing. Yeah. And then if it once I'm past the text message, it just it becomes like tiers of social. So like, like uh, I'm gonna check Twitter before I check Facebook, kind of thing, because Twitter's like where the interesting stuff, in my opinion, like mm-hmm. relevant, like to my relevant to my interest shows up. And then Facebook is like for family and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then like, rarely do I ever get anything on Instagram because I I don't use Instagram nearly as much as the other two. But like Instagram and then I have kick just for one gaming group. I feel like you have more, you have way more social because then you also use Discord, right? I do use Discord. Actually, you know what? Discord is a is higher priority than Twitter for me because I'm tuned into like two different uh, groups on Discord. Yeah, so you have who I talk to like literally every day. Instagram, Discord, Twitter, you have Facebook. I'm assuming you have Reddit, but that's not as as social. As... I don't get notifications for Reddit. Okay. That's like when I'm really bored, and I'll just go through Reddit because I have I do the same thing you do. I have a Facebook, which I rarely fucking. Check. I know you don't because I never see you on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I'll check it every few months, and then when I do check it, I might check it like three times a day, and then I'm off it for a few months again. And then I have my Instagram, which is like mostly for friends, and then I just have like three family members on there too, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. And and then YouTube. That's not social media necessarily. Yeah. But it's between Instagram and YouTube. And the way I like try to not stress myself with so much content is I just have an other app where it just limited. Like I have I'm supposed to have fifteen minutes combined between YouTube and Instagram. Per day? No, no, no. Oh. Per, per hour. Oh, uh, that's hard. Like most YouTube videos are longer than 15 minutes probably. <laughs> no, but I, I try not to be on the screen, right? Oh, okay. So the way I do it is there's a YouTube video. I just play it and it just plays in the background. Mm, okay. And I, I just, that's the way I like try to not deal with it. The The point is to keep my eyes off the screen as long as oh, possible. Oh, I see. I see. No, yeah. I'll get up and like, be, like my alarm will go off and I'll spend like... The first thing I do is I immediately go to the restroom. For some reason, when I wake up, I have to go to the restroom. Yeah. And while I'm in the restroom, that's when I'm catching up on the notifications and stuff as I'm kind of just scrolling around mm-hmm. and stuff. And like, and then I'll check in do it. I'll check in with the groups on Discord. I'll check in on Messenger. Like if something because if something happens on Messenger, like that's usually what I see. Um, 
yeah, Facebook's like lower down in the totem pole. And then like at the very, very last one is like kick, which I almost never use. But that's like when I go through them, like that go in like in that order. And then I kind of just start my day and I don't look at it again until I get to like work or something. So are you going to let your have your kids have access to this? I feel it's going to be inevitable. I don't know what it's going to be like in a few years. No, but... for sure. But you can have them run a, a dumb phone for a while. That's true. I don't know. We're, we're, that's like in the future. I'm not thinking that far ahead right now. But um, yeah, I'll be should consider it. Yeah, I'll definitely think about it. My girlfriend and I have talked about stuff like that, like about like how would you raise your kids? Like given this, she's like, okay, she's like, what would you do if our daughter wanted to do such and such? Like, we've had those conversations. And like, oh, we we usually agree. It's very rare that we disagree on how to handle stuff. Mm-hmm. But we've talked about like she always says like. Like, if we have a daughter, like, you better not let her, like, you better not try to make her play video games. I'm like, I don't care. She's a girl. She's going to play video games. Like, <laughs> like okay, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. She's like, no, that's more like a boy thing. I'm like, no, that's not true. Like, that's outdated thinking. Like, stuff like that. Like, stuff that's, like, I would say more on the lines of, like, gender bias rather than, like, consequential. Like, were you talking about, like, like, because phone addiction or social media addiction, that doesn't matter. It doesn't care if you're a boy or a girl. You know what I mean? Uh, actually, uh, girls have a hard time with it. Harder time like breaking away or harder time being on it? More depression, anxiety. Than guys? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. But I mean, there's gonna be stuff that we're not contending with that we will have to as as adults if we do have kids. Mm-hmm. Like um like all the deep fakes, all that stuff. I, I think about that stuff too. Uh, we're like Like you you can imagine your kid coming home saying he saw a video and it's gonna be a video of like you and I witnessed nine eleven, right? We saw like the last twenty years of all the the of of the the footage, right? Mm-hmm. Everything that was accessible and all the news reports and et cetera. Yeah. But your kid might come home and there's entirely new footage that was created by AI. He's gonna be like, Look at this shit, you know? Yeah. And it's like, how the fuck are you gonna explain that that shit is like fake? Yeah. It, it, it is going to be yeah I'm, I had a similar conversation with our friend Brian our cousin well, friend our cousin Brian the other day where like like dude like less than two years ago like AI couldn't do faces like remember like there was that one uh, couldn't scan faces it couldn't render faces properly it would be like um you would type in like remember that one where you like you would type in something and like it would come up with like the colors and shapes of that thing or whatever oh that's right it would create like a hummingbird or something but it was very abstract very abstract right like 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 watercolors like large yeah. like brushes and now it's like freaking super precise with like faces and like did I show you the picture of where like it's Donald Trump shaking uh, Leon Kennedy's hands yeah like uh like saying like oh that thing in Raccoon City was terrible terrible like the like war like the it's like almost as bad as Obamacare. <laughs> he was like, it was a good meme, he yeah. was like thanking Leon for his service to Raccoon yeah. City or whatever. But like, it looked like authentic. Yeah. So maybe a month before that, I was like, hey, look at these images. They're fucking fake. You can tell obviously because of the hands. The hands are still like. And then a month later, you send me a photo, and they're like, oh, they fixed the hands. Like they're fixing. Yeah. It's and and from like one photo, or you see the women with like they're smiling, but they have way too many teeth. Did you see those? I haven't seen those. Oh, like you can tell it's fake because the, the amount of tea that fit in their mouth is just not normal. Like some kind of eldritch horror women creature oh, thing. I, no, I haven't seen those. They the- fixed that. They fixed that already. Like AI's like they they're fixing the AI where like they're rendering like the actual proportions properly now. I, I've sent you some stuff where they have like the small because you know how they have uh, uh, the AI and they create a bunch of images mm-hmm. and then it looks like it's a video. 
but the lighting on those is getting so fucking seamless where you you can't really tell like like the light source the light source the materials all that stuff is great and it's it stays consistent like you'll see the sweater like before it would be a sweater and then the sweater would do, transform into like a shirt and it was very inconsistent yeah, yeah. so I don't know, dude. It's it's getting pretty fucking nuts really quickly. And we got way off tangent from where we started. <laughs> so, right, it doesn't matter. Well, I don't remember what was the first thing we talked about. What did we start? We're after? talking about social media. Oh yeah, we're way off now. So, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is not a social media or AI or futurism podcast. Although that would be fun to do, but I'm, I'm just not that educated for that kind of stuff. Nah. This is a weekly video game podcast welcome ladies and gentlemen to the duo sense podcast as always i'm your host andrew rusco joined by the badger of the high desert the self-proclaimed lost cause because he's always down for the cause never down for the count the unnecessary one the truth johnny hey all right johnny before we dive into our stories we have some listener mail this week uh let me pull it up real quick i Wrote it down so I have to have my email open. Where did I put it? We have some listener mail. Kind of interesting, I think. Uh, worth talking about. And, oh, here it goes. Uh, this comes from, I hope I'm saying this right. It's J-Car, like J-C-A-R. J-Car and a, and a string of numbers. Uh, I don't remember. The rest of the email address is not important. J-Car says, recently started listening to you guys and I vibe with y'all. My question is, as far as video game generations, how far back are you guys willing to go? And when is a game too old for you guys to try? Keep up the pod. Hope this gets read. Not sure if you guys hold on to these. I think he means, like, not sure if we, like, store them for later or if we just read them as we get them. We just, I just read them as I get them unless, like, I forget to. So, thank you, J-Car. Uh, string of a bunch of random numbers after that. And then the email address. Johnny, when is a game... How far back are you willing to go? Do you? How far back are you willing to play a game? Okay. Um, I'm still down to play Tetris. If it was like on N64, I'd be I'd be playing that. Would you play Tetris on the original Game Boy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but there's a gap where games begin to evolve and they just don't end up holding up, like uh, the old, uh, goddamn, what is it called? A uh, fighting game, not Mortal Kombat, Tekken. If I try to play the first Tekken, it's not going to hold up. I'm not going to be able to play it. And I love that game. Sure. And then there's newer games. Okay, pixelated games. I can't go back to those, dude. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. I've tried them. Like, what was that game? that uh, Octopath? Octopath Traveler. Octopath Traveler. Uh, that's a new game, too. I tried to get into it, and I couldn't. And maybe that just has to do that it's an RPG. Okay. It could be that. But I don't think I'm ever going to purchase another game that has any type of like pixelation. And I was looking forward to other games like, uh, what was it with the dude with the sword? It was super popular. That's so vague. But it's a pixelated game. That's so vague. It's a... Uh, do the sword, but it's pixelated. It's brand new. It's like the last three years. Final Fantasy Seven? No, no. The no, dude no. with the sword. Yeah, this is a game you like. Oh, Hades? No, not Hades. It's Hades not, not Hades. pixelated. It's not Hades. I don't know. Is it RPG or what is it? Castlevania. I think it was more of a dungeon crawler type, something like that. Uh, blood, whatever. Curse. What is Hades? What style is Hades? Hades is a roguelike. Roguelike. I think it's a roguelike. Uh, Dead Cells. Dead Cells. Oh, okay. Dead Cells. I really yeah. wanted to play Dead Cells. Very pixely. But I, I can't do it. I can't like pull the trigger on that one. 
So it just bothers you that it looks like retro, essentially. It depends on the type because what is that? Is that like a 32 bit? Probably. Man, probably a little more than that. It might be somewhere between 32 and 64. Somewhere between those two. Because it looks better than a Super Nintendo game, I'll tell you that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe if the game had, like, physics. Because it's very smooth. It's very smooth. Yeah, it's not choppy like some of the old stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I guess... Okay, Pixel I games, feel like you're... I'm not going back to... If it's a game like Tetris, a very... Tetris is timeless, I think. I think Tetris is... I wouldn't say future-proof, but I feel like Tetris, you get immediately what it is, uh-huh. and that's not a game predicated on having good graphics because the gameplay is just so fundamentally, like, solid. I could go back to, like, a Pac-Man. Okay. Uh, What is it called? The Paddle and the Ball? I can go back to those. Pong? I could go back to Pong, yeah. That's really far back. Yeah. But you won't do, like, PS1. So I think in your case, what you're talking about is certain games just age better than others. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I think you could look at Tekken, look at Tetris, and clearly say Tekken has the better, I mean, more horsepower, I guess you could say. Like, there's more rendering going on compared to Tetris. But Tetris doesn't look clunky and, like, blocky. I mean, no, it does look blocky. But by design, it's blocky, not by limitations, where Tekken is that. Yeah, because there's there's more recent games that I can't go back to. Like, I'm not going to go back to the original Resident Evil 4. Okay original re3 re2 I, I can't well because you have the new ones now are you saying even without the new ones you still wouldn't go that well far? i've tried like i've recently tried playing resident evil 1 and the mechanics just don't don't work for me the remake tank, the tank controls no not the remake oh the, the old the classic oh or maybe yeah. the remaster yeah that's rough that's rough you think so too i mean what's your take on this i you know what it is there's something about early ps1 games that just don't they haven't aged well because of the polygons, the polygonal, like, weird clipping 3D effect going on. Mm-hmm. As compared to, like, stuff from, like, the Super Nintendo where that's aged well because it was already pixelated. Like, it was already... See, I could go back to Gradius. Yeah. Pixel, yeah. It's but Nintendo. a lot of Nintendo games just do hold up. They do. Like, we can always play uh, Smash Brothers on 64. You can play... But the games are so similar to what they are now. Yeah. You can play a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game and like it feels like it's a, like it looks like it's supposed to be that way and doesn't feel like a limitation, as opposed to like Virtual Golf and Tekken, like like early like RE One, early like Gran Turismo, which looks all like choppy and like like it looks like all the cars or whatever like are made of like they're like paper thin like renderings or something, right? Like it looks very jaggy and pixelated, right? It's hard yes, to go that right. back. I'm willing to go as far back as NES, Nintendo, because a lot of RPGs on the Nintendo, oh, the old school Nintendo, and being the RPG guy that I am, like they still hold up. But are you saying you can play anything from now to then? Yes. Really? Yeah. I, I well, maybe not just anything, but that's as NES is as far as I'm willing to go back. Anything before that, like Atari or Odyssey, the Odyssey, the Magnavox Odyssey, or Channel F, any of, like, the Coleco, like, anything, like, that old, like, I I just can't. Because now you're just looking at squares and triangles and, like, trying to make sense, and I, my imagination will not allow me no, to. No, but if you're playing those games, say, in, like, 60 frames. It doesn't matter if it's 60 frames, but I'm just still staring as a, at a block, or, like, you're seeing, like, the old school fighting game where the Atari one, where it's, like, like, boxers, 
boxing, but like it looks like they look like. Oh no, I'm not playing that. That's Atari. That's like Atari. Like we're yeah, like but the I'm, top down view. I'm just talking about one game, that Atari game. Anything? No, because well, that... he asked like, would you, like is the game when is the game too old? But he also said, how many generations back would you go? Yeah, so I wouldn't go any further back than Nintendo, which is 1985, mid 1985, mid 80s. I can't go. I just can't go that far back. It's... If you put it that way, 1995. So Super Nintendo. I'll, I'll play several Early games. PS1, early yeah. N64. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah, because right. like Nintendo stuff, all the Mario games, those, those are still playable. I think it's an age thing. I think it's an age thing. I think if you're older and you were someone who was around during like Atari and ColecoVision and Channel F, the, the Fairchild Channel F, like that's like what's like the second generation of games, like everything after Pong, but before the Nintendo I think if you're someone who's like in their 40s or something, then you can go back to that because you remember that. But for like you and I who are not in our 40s, like it's just impossible to go that far back. It's just too dated. Just too dated. So yeah, yeah. Game Boy, like if you're talking about Tetris on the Game Boy, which is where Tetris debuted was on Game Boy. Yeah, there's actually a lot of games I want to play still on the Game Boy that I haven't got around to. So NES, Game Boy, it's basically mid to late 80s is as far back like technology wise, I'm willing to go. Nothing beyond that though. So you might also be right that it's because I play the new stuff because like the Resident Evil stuff, I can't go back to any of the old stuff. The remakes are, are great. Mm-hmm. But if we look at the the older games like Gradius, I'm saying I could get into it. But if there was a new Gradius, I might be spoiled by the new mechanics and then the old Gradius might just be totally trash to me. Yeah, I could see that. Like I, I played, uh, I remember playing Final Fantasy 3 on an emulator that was emulating the old Nintendo, the NES, because that was the one we did not get a remake of until like 2007. Mm-hmm. So before that, I remember playing Final Fantasy 3 on a like a school computer running a Nintendo emulator. And like that game, I could barely play it, but I was like willing to play it because it's like it was like a blind spot in my like playthrough of the series. And like, like, man, like this game is rough, but like, I'm still like, there's still something there to keep me engaged. And then when the remake came out on DS, like I never went back. I just went to the DS remake. See, there's another perspective here. I think I can play anything that's on arcade. Regardless of age. I can play if it's a, if it's like, cause I was going to ask, yeah, cause I was going to ask you, I'm like, I'm like Hydro Thunder. Okay. If it's a Killer Instinct. Or like those old Jurassic Park games. Yeah. Which are like PS1 era kind of. Yeah. So, okay, I was going to ask you because I'm like, Metal Slug is pixelated. Yeah, I, I could still play it. Yeah, you're right. So you're good with that then because you're because no, there's nothing to compare it to. That again, yep. Okay. But if there was like a 3D modern, uh, for modern like audiences, a, mm-hmm. middle version of Metal Slug, you we wouldn't go back to the old ones. No. Okay. It just doesn't feel the same. Even if I go back to them and they're playable... It doesn't give me that same, like, uh, the same intensity. Okay. So, yeah. I, I you get spoiled. It. Yeah, it's hard to... I get it. Yeah, it's hard to go back. Uh, I'm a big Pokemon fan, but I can't go back to the original Red, Blue, and Yellow because they just look so They old. all look the same to me. They honestly. look old. No, you can tell, like, there's, like, leaps, like, small leaps in between generations for Pokemon. Like, they get better from, like, the Game Boy Advance versions up on. Like, they're pretty playable. Going to before Game Boy Advance, uh, I can do it, but it's not my ideal way of playing those games. So because we have remakes of those games now, so I, I'd rather play the re- the remakes than those. So but that was a good question. Thank you, uh, 
Jcar. I think it was Jcar and a bunch of numbers. So thank you. And you guys too. You too can have your uh, question or comment or suggestion read by. I should do this at the end, but I'll do it right now. You can reach us at, of course, at DuoSensePodcast at Yahoo.com, like Jcar did. Or you can reach us at our Twitter, DuoSensep. So far, all, all our listener inquiries have been through email, DuoSensePodcast at Yahoo.com, one word. But uh, who knows? Maybe you want to be the first one to break the mold and go for the Twitter one. But it doesn't really matter. However you want to reach us, questions, comments, suggestions, thoughts, uh, we're open to it all. So reach us on there. Johnny. Let's get to the meat, the real meat of today's podcast. And then we have four stories uh, for the, for the, uh, I forgot the term I was looking for, for the serving, the menu today. Let's go to the first one. This one comes from Forbes. He sent me this one. It says Sega is buying Angry Birds developer Rovio for $776 million. That's a lot of, that's a lot of Angry Birds. It says the rumblings. Oh, written by uh, Paul Tassi. Paul Tassi. He's like the video game correspondent at Forbes. Cool guy. It says the rumblings turned out to be true. Sega of Sonic the Hedgehog fame is buying Angry Birds mobile developer Rovio for seven hundred seventy-six million dollars, less the than less than the one billion dollar price that was previously being rumored. It is yet another example of a large-scale mobile developer being scooped up by a bigger traditional brand albeit with a much lower price tag than the other deals. Take-Two previously purchased Farmville Zynga for $12.7 billion. A huge chunk of Microsoft's Activision Blizzard $69 deal is Candy Crush's King, which boasts more daily active users than Activision or Blizzard or Blizzard combined. By comparison, $776 million for Royal might look like a steal. Is it? That's hard to say. Angry, Angry Birds is far from the peak of its popularity when it burst onto the mobile scene in 2009. Since then, it's ballooned into multiple games and elaborate licensing deals from toys to TV shows, not dissimilar to Sega's own Sonic the Hedgehog, who lately has had more good movies than games. Ouch. My first thought when I heard this was, does Sega even have a billion dollars? But it's a far different brand than it used to be after mergers and sales of its various components. It definitely has not gone full Atari, as it still makes video games like Streets of Rage and Bayonetta, but it's miles away from the Sega you likely grew up with. And now a significant portion of it is tied up in this Rovio deal. The the $776 million purchase is out of a $4.85 billion market cap, a significant sum for the brand. As for Rovio, they are still making loads of mostly Angry Birds-based video games, since Angry Birds release in 2009, there have been 23 different versions of Angry Birds, including two Star Wars crossovers, a Transformers tie-in, and a VR slash AR project called Isle of Pigs. In 2022, they released Angry Birds Journey and Rovio Classics Angry Birds. There have also been two Angry Birds movies, and I'm having trouble believing this, 11 different Angry Birds TV series since 2013. I had no idea there was even one, let alone the 11 of them. Stick with what works, I guess. Relying solely on Angry Birds instead of finding success with multiple franchises may be why Rovio is going for so much cheaper than other devs. We'll see if Sega has any big plans for them, or if this is going to be like Angry Birds Green Hill Zone as the next project. (laughs) Alright. Johnny, I don't really have much to say on this, except I did not know there was even one Angry Angry Birds TV show, let alone, did it say 11 or 13 of them? I think it said 11. 
Yeah, I think it was. Another. I cannot believe. That. I don't know. They had new shows. Did you see the film? I saw one of them, but the only reason I saw it was for one of the classes I was subbing for. The film was actually good. Which one? The first one. Oh, okay. It was actually pretty good. I have no idea why they why they purchased them. I'm thinking I don't the know only if it's the assets or the actual IP that they wanted. I'm thinking it might be the because I don't think Sega has a very large mobile presence. I'm wondering if maybe they went with that with Rovio being the experts in this space. Kind of like how Nintendo, or I'm sorry, kind of like how Sony was doing the same thing, where like it was, it was buying studios involved with like PC ports, with ex- doing multiplayer like live service games, like is Sega just trying to expand and get into like other aspects of video game development besides just the core console stuff, maybe. Yeah, the question for everybody though is, like they said, we didn't know Sega had a billion dollars, right? I didn't know they had a billion dollars to just spend on whatever. But then again, they did buy uh, Atlas, the guys who do uh, Persona and uh, some of those other like niche RPGs, and they bought them like what two years ago or whatever. And I don't think it was that cheap either. So I guess they have big money bags, especially from the, maybe the Sonic the movies and others like investments they've made that like have paid off for them. Yeah, this is a tangent, but I can't believe uh, 776, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I still can't believe Insomniac was bought for 100 mil. Yeah, but you have to look at it. Like, Rovio has way more like uh, income streams, way more stuff yeah. going on. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't pull in, they didn't do what Insomniac doesn't like put out one Spider Man game and so, a so couple was, of infamous titles and stuff. When was the last time you played an Angry Bird game? I haven't played Angry Birds since like around like yeah like around 2010 2011 was the last time I kind of just played yeah. it for like an hour or two I'm like I see what this is that's all I needed to know that's all I needed yeah it's been minimum eight years since I played a, one of their games yeah and I have no interest in uh, playing another uh, Angry Birds game but I I guess I'm just not the market I'm not the target demographic for Angry Birds which is I think probably like back then that would have been like kids teenagers uh, maybe parents you have to remember 2009 like. The mobile landscape was very different than what it is now. Like, you weren't really going to your phone for like video game experiences, really. I don't think I remember in two thousand nine. Like, what was I playing on two thousand nine? I think I was in two thousand nine. I was probably only thing I was playing on my phone was like Bejeweled and crap like that. Well, what are you playing now? On now mm, I have um, I have a, a the Marvel Puzzle Quest, which I check in like when I remember to, like once or twice a week. Yeah. Pokemon Go, like once so at once every two weeks, if I remember. I mostly just use the apps. I don't really play games on there. The only things I play on there would probably be like emulators and ROMs. Okay, so. I'm gonna ask you a difficult question. Okay, is mobile gaming? Are they gamers? Sure. Really? I think so. It's not like what it used to be like a decade ago with like Bejeweled and Angry Birds. I feel like it's too casual. But you have so many. You have Call of Duty Mobile now. You have Call of Duty Mobile on there. You have uh, Genshin Impact you can play on some smartphones. It runs on that. Uh, I was reading this Kotaku article about this woman who uh, she apparently she she's in the the, like the nationwide Candy Crush like tournament that she didn't even realize she was playing in the tournament because she plays that game so much that it's insane. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not my preferred form of playing, but like now you have uh, games on mobile with Netflix. If you have Netflix, the Netflix app, you can download games onto from netflix service like i played um uh valiant hearts the sequel which is that was a ubisoft game but now you can play on your phone if you have the netflix app and you subscribe to netflix 
You can play you can play uh, Shredder's Revenge on your phone if you have Netflix. That's one of their games they they offer on their mobile app to play. I feel like uh, gaming on console has has users where they're more conscious about bullshit in the industry. I think like, yeah, like mobile gaming seems to be a lot of play, play to win, much more predatory. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's the word. Um, but I I think you can still find satisfying, complicated mobile experiences like the first six ever the first nine final fantasy games you can just get off the apple store you can get those that's off. a little different because you don't need a massive screen for those games yeah you don't but i'm saying you can buy them and you can play those games as mobile experiences yeah that's cool but is it grindy do they add things where it's like no it's just the normal game it's just the oh, normal it's game. just flat out the game yeah it's just okay. a one-time purchase and that's it all right it's dope yeah they also had like a uh, Ubisoft did that thing too, where they had like the Hitman game, some of the, some Hitman game on there too. There was like no, uh, there was no, uh, uh, not DLC. I'm talking about. There's no uh, microtransactions. Okay, something else though. Are these games? Are a lot of these games free to play on mobile? Some of them like are, and some of them are not. Call of Duty is yeah, because Call of Duty uses the season pass model that the console version also uses. Because there's this whole different conversation I'm not trying to have right now, but it's if, what is it? If the thing is free, it means that you're the product. I've heard that before, yeah. I've yeah. heard that a lot about that. So maybe that's why a lot of companies are going to mobile. Not necessarily because, yeah, they're going to sell. There's a lot of microtransactions, but maybe the data is just, that they collect is just as relevant. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm sure. And I think most people are probably aware or they agree to that arrangement. I think so. Well, some games like some of the games like like the Marvel Puzzle Quest and like uh, Pokemon Go, like I play those like I've never I don't feel like I'm behind by not paying for anything, but I know like like yeah they're probably figuring collecting some kind of data on me and I'm like I guess that's just the price of admission like I don't mind in that case. It's not like TikTok or something where I'm going in there and like sharing all my personal information through like you know malware or Chinese malware or whatever. So okay, so yeah, there's not much to talk about that. I just you mentioned it to me. I see it. It's a big purchase. Uh, I don't know what their long term strategy is. I could I could see a Sonic version of Angry Birds where you're just hurling Sonic at like robots and like creatures. A little feature like the, he does a he does a little spin ball thing anyway. So you might as well just launch him. Yeah, I could see that working. That makes sense to me. Um, let's go to our next story, Johnny, real quick. Also. By Paul Tassi, also at Forbes. Uh, this says, Hogwarts Legacy sold 256% more than estimates at launch. Hogwarts Legacy sold more than 12 million copies in its first two weeks. And it may not be surprising that was... It may not be surprising that was more than anyone, even Warner Brothers, expected at launch. According to the LinkedIn page of marketing lead from Warner Brothers Games... A point on his resume lists that Hogwarts Legacy achieved 256% to plan sell-through at launch and exceeded 12 million units in sales in the first two weeks, earning $850 million. Plus, while estimates, internal and external, can wildly fluctuate, WB likely expected Hogwarts Legacy to be a hit, but this indicates it was 2.5 times the hit they may have expected. Even something like 5 million sales in the first two weeks still would have beaten out most other big games. 12 million in two weeks seems unlikely to be beaten this year, except for perhaps Diablo 4. And even then, that's not guaranteed. 
Hogwarts Legacy did not exactly have a long tail of conversation in the gaming industry after launch, not quite say Elden Ring level of impact, and it is unlikely to win many Game of the Year awards, if any. I think it will probably win a couple. It'll be in there. But the massive sales raise plenty of questions about the future of the game and what is no doubt a large new franchise for WB. You can be sure they're going to make another one. It was stated that there were no plans for Hogwarts Legacy DLC at launch, but that doesn't mean plans may not have changed given its wild success. Or it's possible that a sequel was just immediately greenlit and they're going to work on that instead of making additional Legacy 1 content. Nothing so far has been announced or really even hinted at, but the success alone makes more content and or a sequel inevitable. I think only two games have any possible chance of outperforming Hogwarts Legacy sales this year. One is Diablo 4, with Diablo 3 being a huge seller and D4 shaping up to be quite good after two promising betas. The other, of course, is Call of Duty, where there has been some back and forth about what exactly is releasing this year, whether it's a Modern Warfare 2 add-on or a wholly new game. It will likely be something for $70. But even with COD being the best-selling game of almost every year this year, I'm not sure that's necessarily a guarantee. I also expect Hogwarts Legacy to hit 20 million sales within its first year, something Elder Ring also achieved. Now, attention turns toward Max's planned 10-year Harry Potter TV show, in case you wondered. Oh, in case you wanted to plan out your next decade of controversies. Very fun times ahead. That last part had nothing to do with the game, but okay. Uh, Johnny, what do you think about the news about Hogwarts Legacy doing 2.5 times better than what even the developers thought it would do? Well, if they weren't trying to cancel the game, it wouldn't have been this successful, right? The Streisand effect. Yeah, exactly. I think I think I think that's definitely that's definitely a factor. Um, I think also it could just be maybe just the word of mouth because I know the game. Well, it was a quality game for sure. I haven't all pl- the footage I've, that I've seen looks great. Yeah, it looks really good. I, I was so baffled when people were saying like this looks like a PS3 game, and I saw some of the shots. Oh, I'm like, that's wild. No way PS3 could render this. Like, I don't know. Uh, I think a lot of people because of the social commentary with J.K. Rowling and her stance on trans rights that kind of like bled into the discourse about the game and nine of people talked about the game as a standalone product. Mm-hmm. Plenty of people were talking about the legacy and the branding and the IP related to JK. And then like how I think also, I think people do just kind of, there is a, there is a portion of the market that does things out of spite. Yeah, I do think a lot of the sales were spiteful sales. I know there's a, I know a couple of people personally who were um, like, like friends of friends or associates who were like, I was gonna buy this game, but if people are trying to boycott like for this reason, like I'm just gonna buy a copy then. Like, uh, yeah, so. I've seen a uh, plenty of like YouTubers say, not only am I gonna buy the game, I'm gonna buy a couple and then I'm just gonna give them out to my fans. I've heard of that, yeah. I don't know how many of the people actually followed through on the, all those things. I don't know, but I'm sure some did. I'm sure some did. But, like, yeah, it's it's really weird. Um, for those who don't know the Streisand effect, it's basically the saying that, like, any, like negative attention just is just attention, right? There's no such thing as bad publicity. Well, sometimes it's bad. Sometimes. Usually it's not, though. But, like, any any effort to, like, don't look at this thing makes people want to look. It depends if if the thing is like totally obscure and then you bring it to light, it's going to make a difference in, in sales, right? Yeah, because I remember 
I remember I wrote an article about how um, this was about two years ago. Back when, if, do you remember when Star Wars Eclipse was announced mm-hmm. at, at the Game Game Awards? Yeah. So it, the news came out that Star Wars Eclipse was being developed by uh, uh, um, Quantic Dream, who are the people who behind Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls and uh, Detroit Become Human, right? And there was an issue where their CEO was accused of all these outlandish practices for like the company and stuff, and like they wouldn't fire him. And so there was a there was a certain segment of the gaming population that was like, I don't want to play the Star Wars game because it's di- tied to David Cage. That's his name, David Cage. And I remember I wrote an article about like, oh, like you know, there's people boycotting this game because it's being made by these people or this particular CEO, whatever's involved in it. And I remember the comments in my article were like, oh. Is this like I wasn't even gonna pay attention to this game, but if it's like the the alphabet group, I don't know what the term is, alphabet group or alphabet something, who are the ones like boycotting, like I'm just gonna buy it out of like just because now. So I that game still hasn't come out, it's been delayed to like oblivions. We don't know if it's ever gonna come out, but there like I said, there is a portion of people who they see that as like a beacon or as a flag or as a signal to be like like, I wasn't going to do this, but now I'm going to do it even harder kind of thing. You know what I mean? So people are weird. People are weird. But also, I think this game just just visually, uh, people who have played this game say, like, it's like the ideal experience of what they always wanted from Harry Potter. Well, there game. was a whole state of play, dude, and that thing was pretty amazing. I'm not even into Harry Potter. Neither am I. I haven't flying been. around with the brooms, so it looks super smooth. And then I think you could build your own little, like, cabin. And it's all customizable. There's a you ton of like, secrets in the. In the they castle. let you be as evil as you want, which is kind of surprising that they would let you yeah, do that. You, like char- uh, character com- customization. Like, yeah, the, the customization all the fucking all like, I don't know what to call it. Like the wand work, the the spells, mm-hmm. all that looks great. The combat actually looks intense. It's very fast paced. Looks very fast paced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, so I I I mean, good for Warner Brothers, right? Good for them for having a. They've just recently got th- gone through like a change of leadership over there at WB, uh, not the games division, but the company as a whole and stuff. So yeah, it's quality studio too. This is a uh, good news for them, and yeah, you bet your ass they're gonna make another one. I, I can't imagine them looking at this and being like, okay, let's move on to something else. Like, no, they haven't said it, but trust that they're working on some kind of sequel or some other proper, some other game related to this pro- uh, franchise. And then I think. I don't, I don't have it written here, but they just announced they were doing like a Quidditch game, which is like the fictional sports. Quidditch? Quidditch. Okay. It's the fictional like soccer game with broomsticks. Oh, that sounds cool. Because it's not, because there is no Quidditch in Hogwarts Legacy. Like they, there's some in-game reason why there's no Quidditch. And a lot of people were like, we wanted to play Quidditch in this game. And like, it's not included, but they have announced recently, like in the past week that they are going to make a separate game for that. A so. whole separate game? Yeah. Not whole just se- DLC? No, not DLC. It's a whole separate game. Oh, wow. So uh, they've struck gold with uh, WB, and then like the article mentioned that they're doing uh, they're doing Harry Potter as a TV series now for uh, for uh, I think HBO Max or whatever HBO. So yeah, they clearly struck on something, and I don't think any amount of uh, protesting or if you want to protest something, you just let it die. You just don't call attention to it. I think you just don't you don't draw fire to it. You just you just silently do your thing i think i think that's the best way of putting your mouth where your wallet is or your wallet where your mouth is what do you think johnny yeah i mean it could go both ways like i said if something's super obscure and you bring attention to it it's because it's just gonna sell a lot more but if something already has fans the boycott can go either way maybe like yeah. the strife strife sound effect doesn't work for something that's already popular 
I think that's true. You're, I think you're kind of right. Gamers are a very temperamental bunch. They tend to ride or die on certain hills that don't always are not always consistent. How so? Well, I think I think like Last of Us Part Two, or like that game did really well, but it was like super controversial, and like so many people were like, "How well did it do?" I don't think it did as expected. No, but I think it did do better than the first game. But that's a given to me. Okay. Like it would do better than the first game. Okay. Because. Okay. I'm trying not to get into it. <laughs> no, that's a triggering. Okay. Okay. Well, it's you have all the fans from the original. Mm-hmm. Plus, which is curious. already the installed fan base. Yeah. And then you get more people on the PlayStation platforms, right? Like when that came out, there weren't as many PlayStation users. Right. So automatically you get the fans of that plus all these new users that are on the console. Yeah. All these years after. Yeah. So of course it would do better. I'm just saying that like negative attention, you're right. Negative attention does always mean like poor sales or vice versa. Well, like I said, it can go either way. Depends (laughs) on how popular the thing is to begin with. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm agreeing with you. That's okay. what I'm saying. All right, Johnny, let's move on to our third topic for today. Uh, this comes straight from the PlayStation blog themselves. So I don't have oh, written by Herman Holst. W- would he write this? I guess I don't know. He's announcing it. I don't know if he writes. I don't know if he sits at his computer and writes out the little press thing, but it's in his name. So here it is. Welcoming Firewalk Studios to the PlayStation Studios family. Herman Holt says, I'm excited to announce that we've expanded our relationship with Firewalk Studios and are thrilled to welcome them to PlayStation Studios. Firewalk is home to a remarkably talented team of creatives who have launched some of gaming's most celebrated experiences, and they're already hard at work on their first original AAA multiplayer game for PlayStation. Since announcing our publishing partnerships with Probably Monsters and Firewalk in 2021, we continue to be impressed by the team's ambitions to build a modern multiplayer game that connects players in new and innovative ways. The studio shares our passion for creating inspiring worlds grounded in exceptional gameplay, and we want to continue to invest in their mission. We're excited for Firewalk to bring their technical and creative expertise to PlayStation Studios to help grow our live service operations and deliver something truly special for gamers. Please join me in welcoming Firewalk. So it says here that they're working on a AAA original multiplayer game for PlayStation. So, Johnny, a couple months back, we kind of talked about how Sony or PlayStation in general was trying to expand to these different factors, right? They wanted like this many amount of live service games in the near future, these many like multiplayer games, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, how do you? I don't, I don't know, maybe asking you how you feel about this is the right question, but what are your thoughts on uh, the growing, the ever-growing uh, behemoth that is PlayStation Studios in the same vein as the Embracer Group and Microsoft and Tencent? Like, Sony's one of those big four players who's gobbling up uh, studios to a, small, to a smaller, yeah, lesser degree. Exactly what I was going to say, because I don't know how big this studio really is, because I tried looking into what are the games that they've worked on on their own, mm-hmm. and... They don't really have a history of that. It just seems like a studio that's been working on other studios' projects. Yeah, they're, they're like a support studio, like, yeah. like a satellite. I think one of those was like Destiny, right? Okay, yeah, they might, they probably helped out in, in some way. Yeah. So it's really just an announcement, no news. There's just not a whole lot to talk about here. Yeah, a lot Except- of studios just exist... Not all studios just make games. Some of them actually just support, just serve as a support studio that's in the background, kind of just like... 
you know, as an assistant, they don't, sometimes they just make assets, really. Sometimes they just make assets and they, they kind of just help out. They're not necessarily like from the ground to the top making a complete experience, a complete game. So, yeah, about Sony gobbling up another company, they said they had a couple of billion to, to purchase studios. Mm-hmm. So, of course, there's not a surprise. And then again, as they're, they're not just buying random plates. Like, these are people they've worked with before. It's just, yeah, they've yeah, had a yeah. partnership before. So, it's not like, it's kind of like a giant planet just bringing in moons that orbit it uh-huh. rather than going out and conquering other galaxies or something. Like it's, I guess, I guess the relationship here is less hostile because it's like, you're already, you're already in this group. Like you're yeah, a family already. That's a good way to put it. Like a moon. This isn't like Tencent acting like Galactus. <laughs> Gobbling up existences and universe. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm looking. I'm I'm excited to see. Like, if PlayStation thinks they have something on their hands, then I'm excited to see because I'm pretty pretty fond of PlayStation's kind of unique uh, outlook for uh, spotting. I mean, their talent for acquiring what they think are, are promising studios. So, I mean, I guess we'll find out what they're working on eventually. Well, just to speculate, what do you hope they're working on? If it's a multiplayer game. Well, it's, it says it's an original AAA multiplayer game, so it's not going to be something from an established franchise, I think. But you don't want another Call of Duty type game, I'm assuming. I would love if PlayStation could compete with Call of Duty. I don't think we... We've read that tar- topic about where like where Xbox says, like, you guys have 10 years, that's plenty of time for you guys to come up with your own Call of Duty equivalent. I don't think that's necessarily true, but I think... I would love there to be a genuine quality call of duty parallel i would love that i don't think that's what this is though but i know uh, it doesn't sound like that yes i want sony to create a call of duty competitor i want my um i feel like socom would have been that thing i want socom but socom has to stay tactical tactical it's fine if it's like online all that stuff but a lot of people are saying well just make a first player Fuck no, that shit's gotta be third person. Socom has to remain third person. Oh, Socom, yeah, yeah. They can yeah. do both. I'm fine with that. But I only love Socom because it's third person. It's one of the few games that are like that. Um, as far as a, a third person go, I mean first person, it could have been a oh man, what's that game? This uh, the one that was worked on by Guerrilla Games. Oh, um, Killzone. Yeah, I don't know why Killzone was successful. But if they made Killzone into sort of a Call of Duty ish, Killzone Call never, Duty. yeah, Killzone never grabbed my attention. Well, it's probably I felt it's like sci-fi. And yeah, well, that. I just feel like they were trying to be really like gritty and edgy, and that just didn't work for me. Did you play them all? I played, I think, two on PS3. Killzone two is that the one that's on PS3? That's the one I remember playing. I don't know. The yeah. last, the last one that I saw was. Uh, the last release was, I think, on PS4. Yeah, that was the launch title. Uh, Shadowfall, whatever yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't play that one. I haven't played that one, so I don't know. But Well, they're coming out with stuff that I know I'm absolutely going to enjoy. Like, they're coming out with The Last of Us Factions. That, that's third person. Right. Love it. They're going to come out with Horizon multiplayer. Mm-hmm. We have saw some of that footage leak. Mm-hmm. Looks cool. Those sound exciting, Johnny, but I, I would really love for them to do something more original, kind of like um, like God of War. No, I'm sorry, Gears of War when it came out was original. Halo in its time was original. Call of Duty is original. Like there needs to be like a new angle. Like I don't know, you can't just do what everyone else has done, right? There has to be like a certain 
edge or a certain mark of quality and it has to be I don't know. I think you might. I think they they're primed to position. They're in a position where they're primed to do something more like Battlefield because Battlefield has dropped the ball. Like they could fill in. Good point. They could fill in that uh, niche right there, that little like nook. If they if they do it properly, they could become the next Battlefield. Because Battlefield's clearly not able to handle that on their own. You no. I, I don't know what would compete with a uh, with a Call of Duty. I don't see why it's so hard. It's just that Call of Duty turns them out like so quickly. Oh, they had like that install base where you, because Call of Duty is so formulaic, you know what you're gonna get. It's it's basically just a yearly update. So, what do you think is in the Call of Duty since we're already on this? One oh, uh, I don't know. That was like part of the conversation with Activision Blizzard, right? That was the the Rovio thing. I yeah, have no idea. I. I think they said, is this the year where they said they're going to take a year off Call of Duty or is that next year? I thought it was before, but. I feel like they can get away with just doing like a seasonal update or something, like give it a rest and just like, just do an update with season passes and stuff. They don't need to do another one. If they do another one, I expect. They should go back to space. Mm. They did that and people didn't like it, so I don't know. No, but more grounded in space. Have you seen that, that shooter? Where it looks like there's a bunch of astronauts shooting at each other. No. It looks pretty legit. I'll send you a trailer later. I forgot the name of it. Okay. But something a little more grounded like that. Like there's a... I don't know. I guess there's a space mission. and Yeah, I don't know. It probably has to get techie. Anyways. Right. Let's go to our next story then. Uh, this last one comes from Forbes. Three, three of our articles are from Forbes. Uh, again, by Mr. Paul Tassi. Uh, this one says... Hi-Fi Rush reportedly didn't make Xbox enough money, but why would it? The somewhat confusing logic of what does or does not make for a financially successful game on Xbox continues with a new report from the well-sourced Jeff Grubb. On the Game Mess Decides podcast, Grubb says he's heard that Hi-Fi Rush didn't make the money it needed to make. This is a game that was previously described after its surprise instant launch as one of the most successful launches for Bethesda and Xbox in recent years by Bethesda Senior Vice President of Development, Todd Vaughn. Quote, based on what I've heard, it's just straight up, it just straight up didn't make the money it needed to make, said Grubb. It got good reviews and the buzz was good, but where does, where do you put the blame for something like that? That is indeed the question and raises a frequent point about the Xbox Game Pass model. Where exactly was Hi-Fi Rush supposed to make its money? The game had zero marketing, part of the draw was its surprise launch on Game Pass the day it was announced, and it launched on Game Pass, negating the need for sold separately copies for a huge number of Xbox players, as is usually the case with Game Game Pass launches. But it's a brand new IP in a niche type of game, so you wouldn't expect it to drive bonus standalone sales like a Halo or Gears of War might, nor would it be big enough to summon a flurry of new Game Pass subs by itself. It's also not a game with any microtransactions that can generate revenue despite a free Game Pass launch. Like Grubb says, what else was the game supposed to do here? It was well received and created a narrative that Xbox can still surprise us with unexpected smaller hits. But hit appears to be a relative term. Despite the initial praise for its launch, at this point the problem here almost has to be with Xbox revenue model as it's not clear what the game itself could have done better for what it was. The question applies to higher profile releases as well. 
How exactly will Xbox measure Starfield as a success or failure? Here again, the vast majority of players will be playing through the game's day one release on Game Pass, including me. So is it going to still demand some sort of separate sales number? Does it need to be proven that it drives some specific number of new Game Pass signups? These questions don't really come up with any other games, as almost all of them launch as standalone titles, and if they are not added to a subscription service, it's not until much later. For Sony, Nintendo, or most most third-party games, the metric is, did this game sell a lot of units or not? Followed by perhaps talk about ongoing revenue, if it's a live or microtransaction-laden game, but the what counts as a success on Game Pass question is always present and it appears only Microsoft knows the answer. And it says, oh, update. It says, Microsoft's Aaron Greenberg calls Hi-Fi Rush a success after Grubb's report. So here it is. So there's a, there's a tweet here. Uh, Jez Corden, I think he's like a journalist. He says, what exactly determines success for an Xbox game these days? Hi-Fi Rush, as far as I know, has no physical version, no marketing, no multiplayer. If Xbox is pressuring ZeniMax to deliver sales of its games, maybe it shouldn't put so much emphasis on Game Pass. What's the goal here? And then Aaron Greenberg replies like underneath that with a tweet. He says, hi, he says, Hi-Fi Rush was a breakout hit for us and our players in all key measurements and expectations. We couldn't be happier with what the team at Tango Gameworks delivered with the surprise release. So he doesn't address exactly what it did. He yeah, just says, I was going to say it's super vague. He's just like, eh, it did what we expected it to do. So, and okay, that's the end of the article, uh, Johnny. So we talked about this before. We're like, I think we, there was another mention. I forgot a couple months ago we talked about how like they admitted that like they're basically cannibalizing the cost of Game Pass. And yeah, it's it was like, part of the documents that. That's right. It was part of the Activision stuff, right? Yeah. And it's like, what exactly? It felt like they just released that game. Like I, I remember, I remember when it came out too. Like there was like it was like very positively received. There was a lot of buzz. People were talking about it. But even I wondered too, like, are they just, is this like a, is this like a Costco situation? Like where Costco like takes a loss on the hot dog sales kind of thing? Like, is this what Xbox is doing? Like, is it cannibalizing its own profit and its own revenue in exchange for what it perceives as good PR? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the model here? Like, it's not sustainable, right? So like, why, where do you go from here? And then like, and then like he raises a good question. Like when Starfield comes out later this year, a lot of people are going to be playing that on game pass, including myself. I'm not going to buy the game. I can just play it on game pass. It's like, what would be, what are the, like, what are the metrics? Like what is the checklist of what is considered successful and what is not considered successful? If you're basically splitting or kind of disabling your ability to make just pure revenue from just physical and digital sales. Um, I, I'm not sure, dude, because they don't give us the exact metrics. I don't know how, if it really is or it isn't, and it's not like they're not gonna lie about it, right? They yeah, they're not gonna say, "Oh yeah, like we really like we really like crapped the bed on this one." They're not gonna tell you that. They're not gonna tell you that. They don't have to, nor should they. I guess the only way we would know if it was a success or not is the game was highly rated. A lot of people loved it, so why would they not make a sequel, right? Maybe. So the only way we would know if it, this was a success is if there was a sequel to it. I played the game. I didn't finish it. I I got about halfway through the game before I got distracted by other stuff. It's a quality game. I think it is fun. But like I said, there's no revenue model. There's no... I, I mean, it's a good thing. I don't want it to have like a season pass or be like covered with microtransactions. But like, it really just felt like this is... 
the surprise thing that we're giving now, like a Christmas bonus kind of thing for people. And like, there's, we just know we're just gonna have to eat the cost kind of thing. And then for him, Aaron Greenberg to be like, oh no, like it did well with our metrics, but like he didn't say like what, like, hey, we saw an increase in this many Game Pass memberships or like, hey, people who are playing this game were also buying or playing this other game that also makes money or something, right? Like there's no... Yeah, because I guess you could kind of play with like the PR and the, the numbers because you can kind of say it did well in the metrics. We got a lot of people signing up, but maybe they just signed up for that month and they just took off. Yeah. Some people do. Some people do. will just yeah. join for like a month or like there's a set amount of time that they'll join then they just bounce after yeah, the so in a way it did what it was intended to do but the retention wasn't there exactly it's 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 very weird and i mean people a lot of analysts have been popping up and saying like game pass is not sustainable it's not sustainable and i have a, a couple of friends uh who also say they like not only is it not sustainable but it also sets a bad precedent for video games in general where a lot of people including myself will not buy a game because we have hopes that it will show up on game pass eventually oh so there's no pre-orders there's no pre-orders it's it's doing the the netflix streaming model and as a result like some people are kind of like it's kind of like what netflix and like streaming services did during the pandemic where people weren't going to the movies because Mm -hmm. they just they had netflix at home and also the theaters weren't open but now we're starting to see that like where it's kind of bleeding into other games and stuff like in the game sphere where people are kind of like I want to play that, but I want to wait for it to come to one of the subscription services. Yeah. And then, Whether that's PlayStation Plus or that's Game Pass or even like Steam sales or PC sales. Like people, we're starting to see a trend now where people are kind of like holding off. They're being a little more frugal, but also kind of just like not biting right away because of these models. And there is people, there's, there's evidence. I, there's an art, I saw an article the other day. I should have, I should have included it, but it was like, how our gamers are now using the excuse of I'll wait for it to come to this service. So. Yeah, I don't know. You've heard my takes on it. I, I don't know that it is or it isn't sustainable, but I get the, the psychology behind wanting to wait, thinking that it's going to be on game pass and then the game eventually might drop and then you totally forget that the game even existed yeah instead of like pre-ordering it that is a tier of games that exist for me where i have like games that i buy day one games that i wait for a sale and then games that i'll get to it if it comes to this service i do have and then you know games i just don't care about so that tier does exist for me it's kind of low but there is a tier of games i will play if and when they come to a service that i subscribe for so yeah. i get it i get it. oh or now with netflix right netflix has a, has a, a lot of indie games on there too if you have the netflix mobile app you can play indie games on there and some indie games i'll see and i'm like i'm like ah that looks like it might show up on netflix at some point so yeah it's uh they kind of opened Pandora's box with this Game Pass thing, and like, we're, is we don't know if there's a way to shut it now, kind of thing. I mean, I don't know if you can go back. You know what I'm saying, Tony? Yeah, I got it. Kind of feels like what what Blockbuster did to like buying VHSs in a way. How so? Well, because with like rental, like, why would you buy a movie if you can just like rent it or whatever for less? That kind of changed the. Yeah, what, but they that, had, they had that to start- was definitely a better model than than the Blockbuster model. What's a better model? The streaming. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. So, anyways, Ronnie, that's it for this week. Those are our four stories for this week. So, naturally, the next part is, what have you been playing? Oh, I tried a, I tried a game. It was called the Roller Champions. 
It was on there for free, so I was just like, ah, I'll give it a try. I really, I think it's kind of whack. I mean, the aesthetic for the, uh, for the Is game. this like that Mad Max PlayStation looking game that was like the, it was like one of the PS5 launch titles or no? No. Oh, okay, never mind. No, I think this is a newer game. Anyways, I downloaded it. I started playing it. It's like create a character, but you can only change like their body shape. Okay. And I think their face and not even their hair. You can change their skin color and that's it. And they just throw you in there and you play a long ass tutorial. I'm just like next, 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 next. But how do you know what you're doing if you just skip the tutorials? Or you just learn the hands on? Well, you just look at the buttons. Oh, okay. So I looked at the buttons. I was on the track. I won a couple rounds. Look, okay, what's the point of the game? What's the objective? What are you doing? That's a little bit convoluted. So you're on the track. The first track they give you is like a, a oval shape. And you go around like it. Like a NASCAR. And kind. then you have your competitors. You have three other competitors. You have three on your team. And you steal the ball from each other. So you go around the circle. And once it gets stolen, you have to redo the lap. And then once you do it, once you do the lap, there's like a goal. And then you shoot it into the goal. You score a point. Oh, okay. It sounds like a game I played with, like, at a school. Okay. Yeah. So, that's about it. I think the main thing that was annoying is just the aesthetic. It's not cel-shaded, but it's like there's no textures, right? It feels like there's no textures, and it's just objects are just one single colored block, and that's it. Okay. So, it's so very, very minimalistic. Bland. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I played it. I don't know. I do you like, like steal the thing from like other players? Yeah. Like, do you actively you, you fight can go against to them? them and like rush them and like tackle them? This sounds like rollerball. You seen the movie Rollerball from the nineties? I've seen clips of it. That's what it sounds like to me. Kind of. Is yeah. it something like that? Is it like is it like roller derby like that? Like uh, like aggressive? I don't. I wouldn't even say it's that aggressive. It's not. It's not like oh fuck that was a crazy tackle. None of that stuff. So I gave it a some twenty minutes or so, and then I was like, I don't even like this fucking sport. And <laughs> so I just deleted the game, and that's it. Uh, so there was that a little more Resident Evil. I haven't done the story. I I realized last week that I absolutely forgot about photo mode. So that's another reason why I need oh, to, I forgot about that. I, didn't mean I need to go into it and get those great shots. I took some photos, but they were only like screen captures. I don't know why that you know that's my thing, like getting into photo mode, getting the perfect angle, etc. Mm-hmm. And I totally forgot about it. Yeah, I didn't even tinker with photo mode at all. So eventually, I'll go through that. Uh, I did play some mercenaries though. Mm-hmm. Playing a couple rounds. Okay. I played with a uh, hunk, trying to do all the levels. I've gotten some S ranks, S plus A plus. ranks. Okay. Uh, so hunk is my favorite character to play. Yeah, with. Yeah, he's the easiest one to. From my understanding, he's the easiest. Well, why? Because of the his special, the, it's like unlimited ammo, that little bar that depletes, and you're just like yeah. shooting, and you don't run out of ammo, and you getting all these points. And also just the easy, the neck crack. Yeah, uh, you also get a Krauser. Uh, you know, he transforms. But his moveset, it's cool. You could have a crowd with you, but it like depletes really quick. Yeah. So you're not able to get to another crowd fast enough. And then uh, there's Carlo, not Carlos. Luis. Luis. You got Luis with his grenade. You shoot the grenade, blows the up. The TNT, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the thing is, like, you have to be around the crowd. There's, like, a delay. There's a little bit of delay. Like, I just want to get out of there. You know, I want to keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can drop it. You can keep moving, but you're not quite sure you're going to kill as many as you would like. Because the crowd could have dispersed since then or something. Yeah. yeah. Then we got Leon. 
Uh, I don't remember his special. I don't know. I don't remember either. Yeah. So my point of playing with a with them is just get S ranks, A ranks, put it on the board. That's it. But it doesn't seem like there's gonna be any updates. You know, it doesn't. Look- They're supposed to add Ada, I think, with the her separate ways where the DLC. Oh no! Well, that's something totally different. I yeah. thought they were gonna add more maps and more characters oh, to, to mercenaries. They might do that down the road. I remember when Resident Evil Five came out, like you just had like five or six characters, and then they added like two more like characters, and then another two more characters, and then finally like I think at all totals like twelve characters or something. Oh wow! I don't know if they're gonna do that here in this case, but I remember I remember when they added uh, Excella and Jill, and then they added Barry and Rebecca. Mercenaries. I'd like to play with Rebecca. So they might do that. They might. I don't know for sure. That was a different Capcom. That was like twelve years ago. They might. They might not do that. But um, there's a precedent for adding additional mercenaries content. So they might. Who knows? Yeah, it's fine if they add that in a into uh, microtransactions. It's not a big deal. Okay. But uh, yeah, that's all I've been. I've been playing. So I forgot I forgot that uh, Dead Island Two came out this week. Otherwise, I probably would have been playing that. But uh, this past Wednesday, the Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters finally came out for PS4 uh, and Switch. But I'm playing it on PS4 because I want those trophies. Yeah. So I I you can buy the games as a bundle. It's like seventy five dollars for all six, or you can buy them individually. And it's like eleven something. It's like eleven dollars for the first three, and then the last three are like sixteen dollars or something like that. It all if you buy them separately, I think you're just paying like ten bucks more overall. So I did that. Th- I bought the. I bought. I only bought two of them. I bought Final Fantasy V and Final Fantasy II. So I bought those separately because I'm like, I know I want to. Pl- it doesn't make sense for me to get all six when we have uh, Jedi Survivor next week, and then we have uh, Street Fighter Six. I think two weeks after that. There's a demo for Street Fighter Six. I haven't played it yet. I haven't played it. I'll, I'll give that a try. But there was that announcement that there, there's uh they sh- during the PlayStation thing they did yesterday. I think. Mm-hmm. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, that there is an open world like action RPG campaign on the side. That's the demo. No, but that's gonna be a separate mode also. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I want to try that. Like, I was already gonna buy Street Fighter Six. I don't know it was RPG though. That's... It's a separate, yeah. It's a little separate mode, hmm. like aside from their main like fighting part or whatever. They're kind of doing the thing where like you, I guess you go, you create your character, you go to talk to like the different like main character rosters, and like they train you, and they and like you can take moves from each one to like shape your character. But like there's like some kind of procedurally generated like RPG fighting mechanic to it. I guess like they show like the damage like when you punch and kick and stuff like that. I'm like that sounds cool. That sounds like exactly what I want. So I was gonna buy the game anyways, but. Now I definitely want to buy the game anyways. What Street Fighter though? I thought you said you weren't uh, fighting. I'm not, but I feel like I feel like if I buy it, then I then I'm going to feel invested because uh, I had to play it because okay. I that initial buy-in. Like I'm going to have to like I want to I want I'm not a good fighting game person, but I want to put an honest effort forth to like really learn a character and then really try to like learn from my mistakes like maybe it's too late for me because I don't have the reflexes, but I want to be able to say like, I didn't just dismiss this game. I, I gave it the good old college try. So, but anyway, so yeah, so I bought those two, I bought Final Fantasy five and Final Fantasy two because I knew I wouldn't have time for all six. So there's no point in me buying all six now. So I kind of spaced it out a little bit. And so I'm playing Final Fantasy five, uh, pixel remaster it has trophies. 
Uh, it's one of my favorite Final Fantasy games. This one came out in, I, think, I want to say 1992. So it's a Super Nintendo one. But it's it's cool. It's cool. It's uh you play you have these four characters, uh like the world's like falling apart, and you get to unlock like jobs and classes. So like you get these like jobs and classes like in waves. Like the first wave is like now your characters can switch between being a black mage, a knight, a thief, a monk, a uh blue mage, and a thief. I did I say thief already? I don't remember if I said thief or not. But, like, those are, like, the first six jobs. And, like, you can mix and match, like, abilities. Like, so the blue mage learns uh, monster attacks. So if the blue mage is struck by an enemy attack, like a special attack from an enemy, he now knows that move permanently. And then the white mage is, like, your healer. Black mage does, like, elemental damage. And knight's pretty straightforward. Like, they're, like, your heavy guy. Like, your heavy. Uh, Thief is very fast and can steal items from enemies. And so it's like that. So you can, like... You get experience points to level up, but you also get like a separate ability point thing where like you can level up the class itself. And then once you max out the class, you take the strongest attribute attribute from that class, and now it's permanently on your character. So you can like you can master like the 20 plus jobs for each character in the game, and by the end you'll have like one super overpowered unit who has like all the strengths of all the different classes in one. So, like, the game kind of rewards you to kind of mix and match and experiment. Like, you can make a knight that knows, like, white magic to heal. You can make a uh, a thief who also is a monk who has, like, a thief who's, like, really strong with just using his fist. Like, there's a lot. I love, like, the unique customization of this game. Being, mm-hmm. like, mix and match different classes and stuff and come out with, like, a really cool party. So, um, it's like if you took the units from XCOM and you can, like, change each unit into a different role or, or like cross like the strengths of each role into a different unit kind of thing that's kind of like what that class system is in final fantasy and then final fantasy 2 is the one i have not played in the longest time i haven't played that game in over 20 years so i if like this makes sense to just play it now the hd like remaster and stuff and uh i remember now why i haven't played that game in so long because it's very obtuse the leveling is weird where like you don't get stronger by experience points. You get stronger by suffering, which doesn't make sense. Right. But like, for example, it makes a little sense. for example, like if you barely survive an encounter, like your HP will go up at the end of the battle. Like your HP stat goes up because like you've been through it or whatever. If yeah. you want to level up your magic, you have to like use as much magic in a battle as possible. And at the end, like you'll get like a level up in magic. So it's like it makes you use certain things to increase those stats. If you heal a lot of your like party, then that unit that does the healing gets increased like um, affinity with like cure magic and stuff. So like you have to use the things to level up those different aspects. There's no like, oh, this is a level five or level six characters. Like, no, you keep leveling the individual attributes like slowly over time. It actually sounds um it actually sounds a little bit more grounded because you're enduring mm-hmm. and you're learning through that endurance. Yeah, it's, so you it's... gain more XP. It it actually makes more sense, like if you think about it, because there's a lot of games where you just beat the boss and you act like, oh, I fucking I'm I faster now. now. Yeah, I'm yeah. Fa- when in reality, it's like you probably just got lucky. There's no way you're beating all these bosses just because you happen to be great. Yeah, it makes more sense that. You lose some, you win some, you endure, and you gain all these experience points through 
through going through that, you know? Yeah, like, you have, like, this evasion stat, which determines, like, how likely you are to, like, dodge an attack. Mm-hmm. And it's basically influenced by, like, how, for how long you have a shield equipped. So the longer you have the shield equipped, or, like, if you use a shield a lot in battle, then your evasion stat will increase over time kind of thing. Yeah. So it's a, it, it, it's it's, like, the most Western style of Final Fantasy, and that's why, like, a lot of people, a lot of Final Fantasy fans don't really mess with Final Fantasy 2, because it's considered, like, the black sheep of the family. It's... The Western, the style? Or? Yeah, the it's a much more Western style because, like, you have conversations and then you have to, you can memorize certain terms, like certain phrases. So, for example, like, one of the, early on, uh, you learn the password for, like, this rebel group you're part of, which is called, it's, the password is Wild Rose. So now, when you memorize that, now you memorize that term, when you have a conversation with someone, it will give you the option to use that term. And if they recognize that term, like, they'll respond to you differently. It's like, oh, like you go to a barkeep and it's like, oh, like I need access to your back room. It's like, no, you can't. And like, you know, like, like, use key term and use wild rose. Like, oh, you're with the resistance. All right, go on, go in the back. And then like, you can have conversations with these people and then they'll introduce a new key phrase and you can remember, you can learn the new key phrase. And then now you have access to all these extra dialogue options. What does it have to do with Western? Because that's much more of a Western RPG kind of thing where you're using dialogue choices to advance the story rather than being a passive participant like in a jrpg that sounds better it's it's different it's not better it's different but again like that's not what you expect from a final fantasy game so it's jarring for people who are used to a very specific style of play okay so i'm playing Final Fantasy 2 Final Fantasy 5 i'm having a good time with those uh i'm pretty much just binging them at this point i'm having a lot of fun with them uh they both have obtainable platinum trophies which is cool. Like all the all the pixel remastering games have individual platinum trophies. The thing is, they there some of them have an, an annoying one where it's like kill ten thousand enemies throughout the course of the game, and it's just like oh, I'm gonna have to grind for that one. I know I have to grind for that one. And then some of them you just get naturally, which is like get a thousand gil. Like that's the money. Like you're gonna get that just naturally just by playing the game normally anyway. So, so yeah, I've been I've been playing those two. But then next week, next week is Jedi Survivor time, Johnny. And I remember you said you're done with Star Wars. You checked out with Star Wars. Yes, I I did not mention <laughs> that gaming doesn't apply. Okay, so check out for Mando, but you won't check out for the Jedi games. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because the storylines are at, well, just going based off the last one because the storyline and the last one in a what is it called? Uh, Fallen Order. Fallen Order was pretty good. The gameplay was great, and I was already checked out of Star Wars, but when I played that, I was like, this is the direction I want them to go in. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, yeah, that's why. All right, so I guess we'll both, uh, depending on when we record next week, we'll, we both may have played it by this time next week. No, There's the no 20... way it'll be complete, though, because that, that's going to be a beefy-ass game. Is it coming out the 29th or the 27th? Uh, let me look at that real quick. Because depending on when it comes out, I may change when we record. If like we're not gonna get to it in time, will I delay the pod? Or if we are, we can at least do our initial impressions. Yeah, yeah. First impressions is fine. That's what we did for uh, Resident Evil. Yeah, then we did like the full, like full on twenty uh, eighth. So yeah, so that's a week from today. So it's on a Friday. So we might just have one day's worth of playing, if that. If not, that's fine too. We can just we'll get to it when we get to it. But um. 
So yeah, that's all I've really managed to play this past week. And it looks like that's all you managed to play. And so, did you have any last things you want to talk about before we wrap up tonight? No, I think I think that's what I get. You think what? I think that's it. Oh, okay. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you've managed to make it this far, as always, we thank you for your listenership. Uh, I would like to remind you, of course, if you have any comments, suggestions, questions... You can uh, contact us by email through DuoSensePodcast, Yahoo.com. Again, DuoSensePodcast, one word, at Yahoo.com. And just like, uh, I forgot his name, J, J something, <laughs> J Carr. There you go, J Carr. Uh, you could have your uh, question or statement read out loud on this pod. So uh, go ahead and do that if you're interested. Uh, as always, thank you. And I guess we'll see you guys next week thanks guys peace